Well, I thought I'd begin this morning with a show of hands. We don't do this very often. Don't worry if you don't like voting on things or expressing yourself publicly. Don't feel bullied by me to raise your hands. I'm also aware I can't really do it very well on the internet, can we, really? Um, So perhaps, folk, if you're on the internet, you could even type into the YouTube chat and tell me your answer. Here we go. So here's my question as we start this morning. Um, If you were asked... When was the last time you had said, I'm at the end of my tether? I've had enough. When was the last time you thought something like that? Was it two years ago? Was it a year ago? Was it a month ago? Was it a week ago? If you're on YouTube, you could type that in. Don't worry, I won't. I won't mention you by name, but you can type it in the chat. We'll see if it happens. Let's see. Um, And if you're in the room, listen, raise your hand if the last time you said, um, I've had enough, was in the last year. I'm I'm definitely, my hand is definitely up at this point. Yeah, okay, quite a lot. What if you thought, um, I've had enough in the last six months? Anyone thought that in the last two months? (laughs) What about the last week? Maybe. maybe. (laughs) Amazing, isn't it? Of course... um, yeah, we've got, oh, we have got someone online this morning and last night. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We can actually see who that is, so you can have a look at that later. Um, there we go. Um, here's a psalm for when you feel like you have had enough. A psalm for when you feel like you've had enough. Of course, the question is, what is it we've had enough of? Uh, In a way, I've titled this psalm a psalm for when you've had enough. We could almost have a topical series of things on this, couldn't we? A a psalm for when you've had enough of the COVID regulations. A psalm for when you've had enough of that strained relationship. A psalm for when you've had enough of that difficult work situation. A psalm for when you've had enough of failing health. You could do something like that, I suppose, couldn't you? But what is this psalm about? What has the psalmist here had enough of? Well, look at the end of the psalm. Verse 3. What does the, the psalmist and the people say? Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us. For we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease of the contempt of the proud. Here is a psalm for when you are at the end of contempt. When you've had enough of contempt. Now, what do we mean by that? Well, contempt is that thing when someone treats you as if you and what you believe is of little or no importance of little consequence. It's the kind of thing where someone says to you, no thoughtful thing, no thoughtful person would believe what you believe, would think what you think, would love the kinds of things that you love. Contempt dishonours you, doesn't it? Contempt dishonours you and it dishonours God. And being held in contempt by others in our culture can be so deeply painful Because it can make you feel so insecure, so fragile. What I believe and who I claim to be, everyone else thinks is frankly stupid. 
And what seems to make it so intense here is that the people who speak this way and treat the psalmist this way are at ease. Did you notice that? They're at ease. They are undisturbed. In other words, the, the people who hold, hold us in contempt are totally secure in themselves while making the people feel totally insecure. They act so superior and make you feel so small. That's contempt. I wonder, do you know that feeling? I wonder, have you had it? And Christian, I want to ask this morning, have you had enough of the contempt that we are often shown as believers? Maybe every week, maybe every day. Here is a psalm then for when we are at the end of contempt. And the question, of course, is what will we do? What will we do when we're at the end of our tether like this? I I think for me, the most natural thing, when someone looks down on you, I I remember being a kid in the playground, school playground, and I remember the cool kids looking down on you. I know you think I was probably cool when I was little, I wasn't. Um, (laughs) I remember the thing of being isolated and rejected and bullied. And how actually when someone looks down on you, what you want to do most of all is look up to them. You want to impress them, don't you? You want to try and get the contempt you're held in to change by your bullies honouring you instead of being mean to you. You, you, you. Someone looks down on you and you want to look up to them and make it right. Or, or, or failing that, you just run away. You just, as it were, look down on the ground and despair and go in on yourself. Those are some of the things that we might do. But the psalm here points us in another direction. Not going in on ourselves and isolating, not giving in and conceding to the self-satisfied, smug sneer of the person who thinks they're so much um, more honourable and better and of greater value than you. This psalm points to another way. So let's see how it works. Uh, Let's see how this psalm teaches us when we say, I have had enough. So let's look three things this morning, and the first one is this. This psalm teaches us, firstly, through where the psalm looks. Point number one, where the psalm looks. The psalm begins like this. To you I lift up my eyes, O you who... The psalmist lifts up their eyes, and you can almost feel the heaviness, the weariness of having to lift your eyes up. There's a downcastness in these eyes. And and eyes in the Bible, they're the organ of longing, of yearning and desiring. And so the psalmist now lifts their heavy, weary eyes to fix their longing and their hopes and their attention somewhere else and on someone else. But to who? Again, look at those opening verses. To you I lift up my eyes. O you who, and you want to go, who? Tell us who. Why why aren't you telling us who? There's delayed identification. We want to know who, and we have to wait till the end of the verse. To you I lift up my eyes. O you who are enthroned in the heavens. The psalmist turns their eyes to God. The God who is enthroned. He is in the place of honour. He is in the place of authority. He is in the place of rule. He is the God who rules all from heaven over 
over and above everything, he rules. You see, here's the psalmist, and he's at the end. And he could get angry. He could get resentful about how he's, treated, how he's been treated and, and, and how God's let it happen. Or he could take on the mindset of his oppressors and go, yeah, this is rubbish, I'll, I'll go with you. But no, the psalmist remembers that God is in heaven ruling. He's ruling even now. And if his honor and the honor of his people is to be reestablished, then he needs to fix it. If contempt is to be ended, he must do it. He must show his glory, he and no other. There can be no one else to look up to. In other words, as one psalmist, uh, as one commentator puts it, the psalmist's eyes soar above the circumstances to the God enthroned in heaven, soaring above this situation to the God who, who does what he pleases who is so great and his rule is so great that it can envelop any situation that we're in, whose wisdom from that throne in heaven is incalculably wise. The psalmist knows that if God is to be God, then he must know our needs better than we know ourselves. He's the God of heaven not the functional God. He's not the God of get me out of here. He's not the God of entertainment. He's the God of the Exodus. He's the God of Easter Sunday and the resurrection. And we must look to him and understand what he's doing. He is the ruler on the throne. You see, when we're at the end of our tether, when we've had enough, fed up of being ignored and rejected and devalued, we don't look to others to find our value and our identity. We don't seek to sort of ingratiate ourselves with the bullies like we might have done with the child as a child. Now, if we do that, we just become part of the problem, I guess, in a way, don't we? We just become part of the, of the in-crew, the satisfied lot who exclude others and reject others. And we're not under contempt anymore because we're part of the group that shows contempt, Right? And neither do we turn in ourselves thinking, I'll find my value in what I do. I'll pursue my own success and my own achievement. I mean, in the end, that's just utterly crushing, isn't it? No, our sense of honor and worth always comes from outside of ourselves, doesn't it? And so the psalmist says, I will lift up my eyes, my longing, my hope, my desire to the God who is enthroned in praise and beauty in the heavens. This is not just any sort of look, is it? This is the reflective, adoring gaze at the God of heaven. He'll restore me. He'll restore my honor. Ultimately, it's only him who matters. At the end of the day, if we're in this place of suffering contempt and feeling so devalued, It is only when the one who loves us the most in the entire, the the one who we love the most in the entire universe loves us too, that that we'll find that honor and that value and that identity. It is when someone you cannot help but praise praises you, then that experience of contempt can go away. One person has said, only the love of the unchangeable God can bring tranquility 
Only the unconditional love of God will do. This is what the psalmist does, isn't it? He looks to God for his longing, for his identity, for relief from this contempt. We might be tempted, and I think this has been my experience, that you, you almost try and downplay your devotion. You try to modify your behaviour because if you look a little bit less serious about things, then you'll escape that contempt. And you think you're playing a halfway house. But in the end, you're just trying to win the praise of others, aren't you? But friends, we are not looking for worldly affection. We're setting our gaze on the God of heaven, the only one who rules. And in the end of the day, we don't want the honours handed out by the officials, or the celebrities, or the employers, or the line managers, or the social acolytes. I mean, there, is, there is a monarch in this land, isn't there, who hands out knighthoods and MBEs and OBEs and all that sort of stuff. But not even she is the monarch of heaven. To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in heaven. When we are at the end of ourselves, fed up of being kicked around, we look to him for our hope. That's how the psalmist looks, point number one. But point number two, how does the psalmist look? How does the psalmist look? The psalmist looks like a servant. Look at verse 2. Behold, as the eyes of the servant look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. How does the psalmist look to the Lord? What's his model? It's as a servant, isn't it? In what way, in what manner do we, do we look to God as servants, whether here as, as both male servants or, or maid servants? That's how we're to, to look at God. All servants look to their masters. Their eyes, their longing and their yearning set on their master. And what are they looking for? They're looking for the movement of their master's hand. This is what Alec Matier calls the trained watchfulness of a servant ready for the smallest gesture. Servants look to their masters, not for orders, but for relief. The, the psalmist here isn't, isn't looking to the Lord like he's a, a mean boss who's overworked them and they need relief from him. The problem isn't from the master at all here, is it? It's from other people who show contempt. No, the servant looks to the master precisely because he is the one person in a position to help. He is the one person in a position to show gracious kindness. In this setting, in those times, a master wasn't just an employer. And servants weren't just employees. They were servants who wanted to see their master honoured. And, and the master wanted to see their needs being met. The master was like a father, and the servants were like children. And so servants could look to the hand of their master for his purposeful action, for his intervention. Not because in any way he was obligated to do things, but because of who he is. He's their father, he's, like their, he's their patron, the one who cares for them. Now you say, Ollie, this is, 
this is kind of interesting, but also it kind of doesn't sound that great either because surely this is a bit patronizing. You're saying I need to look to God and be like a servant. I mean, that's, that sounds awful. I mean, maybe these people who are showing contempt, well, maybe they're right to show contempt. It seems pretty weak and pathetic to, to put yourself in this situation. How condescending to adopt a position as a servant or as a slave. But you see, that's just the thing here, isn't it? To live to please the bullies is in the end a kind of slavery, isn't it? And to reject other people and finding your value with them and to go in on yourself is is also a kind of slavery because in the end we're only slaves to our desires at that point. See, either way, you can't help being a servant. None of these things are, are freedom, are they? What is freedom? The psalmist here knows that freedom is found in putting your longing and hope in God. When you make yourself a servant, when you look to him as your father, the one who cares for you, it's the most liberating thing in the world. Because only service to the one who made you and saved you and loves you is real freedom. Even if it means waiting. The way out of this contempt is to look to God. Is to look to God. Why? Well, notice who God is here. And notice the tension again building in this verse, just like it did in verse 1. Look with me again at verse 2. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hands of their master, who's the master? As the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, who, who is it? So our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. Who are the people to look to? They are to look to the Lord. L, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. The Lord capitalized. Anytime you see that in the Bible, by the way, Lord capitalized, that is the personal name of God, Yahweh. This is the name that God gave to his people when he rescued them from Egypt, when he met with them at Mount Sinai and made them his own. You see, who do we look to? Uh, not, a, not any old master, is it? No, we look to the God who rescued his people, made them his own. This is the God who loved his servants, his slaves. <laughs> he rescued them from one evil slavery. And made them his own. And he loves them still. And he calls them his firstborn son. And he calls, and, and he is to them a father. And he is to us a father. And so the psalmist says, look to him like a servant to a master and a father. Make yourself a servant to him. And wait on him for relief. That's how we are to look. That is how we are to depend on the Lord when we've had enough. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that kind of scary, (laughs) making yourself a a servant. It has all kinds of entailments that are slightly frightening. (laughs) No longer, if I'm a servant, no longer then can I think about sorting my own problems out. I'll wait on the master to do it. No longer can I hold to my own timetables. If the Lord is to resolve the contempt and the dishonor we face, It must be on the master's timetable and not on ours. 
It means, I guess, no longer holding to our list of priorities. Oh, Lord, this is the big thing. This is the big thing now, Lord. Well, that's behaving as if I'm the master, not not as a servant. The Lord is my father and my lover, but he's under no obligation to me. He will do what is right in his time, and I must be content with that. We look up to the Lord as our master. We take the position of servants. But this is beautiful. I love this detail that was pointed out to me in this psalm. Here is the psalmist, and he's looking up to God, and he calls us to look up, and why? Why do we look up? What sense does it ever make to look up unless there is one looking down? Unless there is already one looking down, prepared to meet your gaze. A God whose move is that he stoops down to save. You see, the psalmist looks up because he knows that his father is just like that. Waiting to meet our gaze, waiting to hear from us, waiting to intervene. When you've had enough, when you're fed up, when you're fed up of being dishonoured and held in contempt for who you are and what you believe, we learn from the psalm. We learn from where the psalmist looks to God enthroned in heaven, ruling all, enthroned in beauty and praise. And we learn from how the psalmist looks as a servant to a master. Are you ready for that? Are you up for that? Are you ready to find freedom in service to the the greatest master ever? And we learn thirdly and lastly from what the psalm says or what the psalm cries. Uh, Look with me again. I'll read from verse 2 again. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us. For we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud. So you notice there at the end of verse 2 that looking up as a servant means waiting, doesn't it? So our eyes look to the Lord till he has mercy upon us. And then you notice in verse 3, the people and the psalmist together say, okay, well, we're going to do that. We're going to wait till he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us. It's like we're ready. (laughs) We're ready to start waiting upon you already, Lord. Have mercy upon us, please. They're ready to start. Of course they are. Because they've already reached the end. They've already had enough. (laughs) But look, what are they actually praying for? What are they actually asking for? What are they expecting of the Lord, the Master, to do do for them, to do with with his hands? The answer, I think, is quite humbling and I think quite quite helpful. We we look to the Master because he's this loving father and, and, and patron. And if we're experiencing contempt, we're being dishonored, and he he's being dishonored. Then what are the servants doing? They're calling on their father to show who he is. To turn out to be the father that everyone says he's not. When they show him contempt. It's, it's father, just show who you are. Bring about your honor and glory for, for, for your sake and for ours. 
It's mercy, Lord. It's just be gracious. Show your loving kindness. Notice it's not, Lord, give us what we want. It's not that, is it? It's have mercy. Have mercy upon us. Show your loving kindness. Do something. I guess for a servant (laughs) waiting on a master, you're looking at that hand, right? And you're looking just for that smallest sign of the movement of the hand. Because I, I said it a moment ago, the hand in the Bible is this organ of purposeful action. As soon as the hand moves, you know intervention is coming. You know it's the beginning of change. You know it's the beginning of action. So Lord, act. Show your loving kindness. It's a very simple prayer. And I think it's to be our prayer. I think it's the right prayer, isn't it? This is what the psalmist cries. Can we cry like that? I wonder. I think we can, and I think it helps to see the grounds on which we can make a cry like this. We've seen all sorts of grounds, haven't we, for um, how you can pray in this psalm. We pray because God's enthroned in heaven, ruling all things. We pray because he's the master and the father, the, the loving pursuer of his downtrodden people. But notice how the psalmist prays here. What's his ground? Look again at verse 3 and 4. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us for, for what reason? For we. For we have had more than enough of contempt. Have mercy on us for we. The grounds at the end of this psalm for the prayer is simply, Lord, this is how we are feeling. Isn't that remarkable? I mean, it would sound totally self-interested if we didn't know what the Lord was like. That the Lord is that one who is stooping to hear our cries. That he is desperate to hear the pleas of his people. The Bible talks about how the Lord heard the cries of the misery of his people in Egypt. And when he heard that, he said, that's enough. I am coming down to rescue them. And he's the same Lord still today. Friends, when we are at the end, there is one at the end of our cries who really wants to hear from us. And we only need cry for mercy and loving kindness. And he's ready to hear it. Because he's the one outstretched to us. So when you're at the end, when you're fed up, of being devalued and dishonoured, when you're fed up of your Lord being dishonoured. You can look up to the bullies, of course you can, you can give in. You can go in on yourself and you can run away and you can despair. Or you can pick up the phone. You can dial the helpline, not to the Samaritans, but to the Lord. You wonder why it is that we struggle to pray so often. You wonder why it is that we would so often just... Talk to ourselves rather than him. It's mad, isn't it, when we see what God is like here. We wonder and we think how weird it is that so often in, when we're at the end, when we're fed up of being kicked about, we think, well, I'll just, I'll just sort this out myself. I'll modify my behavior. I'll love my Lord a little bit less. I'll be a little bit less vocal about him. And that way, my behavior will be a little bit less contemptible to others. I'll seem to be a little bit less obviously convinced about my saviour. And then everything will be fine. 
and it's just another slavery, when we've got a master who loves us and wants to hear from us. Here is a psalm and a song for us when we're at the end telling us to lay our burdens down, to lay them down to him. Friends, trials will persist. Contempt will persist. But here we look to the Lord God who is enthroned. How do we look? We look as servants. What do we say? Lord, show mercy. Because this is just what he delights to do. And no doubt, this will be a psalm that we'll need to use again. We'll be at the end of ourselves. I think it's striking how he says, have mercy. (laughs) And he says, have mercy again. This is a psalm that fully expects to be used again and again to continue to cry to the Lord, have mercy on us, to wait on the Lord. We are, after all, only creatures, aren't we? We have our limitations. We'll reach the end again, you can be sure of that almost. (laughs) But we can also remember Jesus when we look and think on this psalm. Wasn't it Jesus who had to experience contempt? Wasn't it Jesus who had to experience scorn and hatred, a kind of which we can only begin to imagine? Wasn't it Jesus who lifted his eyes to heaven? Wasn't it Jesus who committed himself to his father? Wasn't it Jesus who waited on his father to be rescued and restored, to be glorified? Father, glorify yourself. You see, Jesus had had enough of the contempt of the proud. So much so that he suffered their wrath and he suffered the wrath of God. But he is now risen in victory. And so now is a day when we experience contempt. Now is a day when some are proud and look down on Christians. But those people are on their final lap. A day is coming, and it is coming so very, very soon, when the trumpet will blast, and when the Lord Jesus will return, and all will cry, worthy is the lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing to him who sits on the throne, and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. He will get all the glory and all the honour and all the praise. And we will be swept up in it all. There won't be the slightest slither of contempt. Far from it. He is on the throne. He's the master. His service is freedom. Waiting is the order of the day, isn't it? Mercy is the cry. But he and none other will do the answering. So look to him and wait and see what he will do. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we look to you, heaven-dwelling God. We look up to you for your help. Like servants, alert to their master's every move. Like a maiden attending her lady. We're watching, we're waiting, we're holding our breath, awaiting your work of mercy. Mercy, Lord, have mercy. We've been kicked around long enough. Kicked in the teeth by the complacent, 
those at ease. We've been kicked when we're down by arrogant brutes. But Father, we look to you. We look to your risen, ascended and glorified Saviour. And we commit to waiting and serving him. Even and especially when we have had enough. We look to the Master who has mercy and rescues and saves and will one day save us completely. So we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.